how many of you are familiar with Operation Mobilization? It's a Christian mission organization that owns ships. Um, I was a, a country church planter in Nagano, and we loved what we were doing, but we felt something was missing, and we felt there was more we wanted to do. And we learned about a Christian mission organization that own ships that sail around the world and giving out the Bibles and preaching the gospel. And when we heard about this, I told my wife, honey, this is it. This is what we should be involved in. So 91, we contacted Operation Mobilization, or the year before that, in 1990. We contacted Operation Mobilization and I said, we want to join the ship. And they said, well, we are looking for a, a country leader for Japan. Would you like to be the one? <laughs> and I just said, yes, <laughs> sign me up. Anyway, so they uh, let us join one of the ships. This ship is very old. It's, it's built around the same time um, Titanic was built. And so to join this ship, Dulos, uh, we flew to Malaysia in 91. And before that, though, I had to beg my church to let me go for uh, 45 days. <laughs> so we flew to Malaysia, joined the ship, uh, and we, we were in Malaysia and the Philippines, and we left the ship in Taiwan. Fabulous time sharing the gospel, working with local believers. The ship has Christian believers from like 40 different nations. Not just you know major countries, but small countries like Papua New Guinea, Ghana, different places. So the fellowship is great. The ministry opportunities are plenty. But since we have three little kids, and the church that I planted, uh, it wasn't time to uh, join the ship. So we waited for a long, long time. And after our kids grew up, when my wife and I became empty nesters, we joined the ship for the second time. This time, new and improved. Those two ships were getting so old, so uh, OM decided to retire them, and they purchased one big ship, bigger ship, called Logos Hope. And this was 2009. We flew to Denmark, but the ship was still waiting for the permission to start sailing. So we were there just waiting, and February 14th came while we were waiting. You all know what that day is, right? Valentine's Day. So we wanted to do something romantic. But we didn't have very much money, especially Danish currency, because we didn't know how long we'd be in Denmark. Somebody from the ship gave us train tickets so that we could take a train from where we were to Copenhagen. So that was a free ride. And uh, we were just looking for cheap 
entertainment in Copenhagen, and we came across a street magician. So we were watching him, and he was really good. And then all of a sudden he stopped, and he said, does anybody have a 10 krona? And 10 krona is, isn't that much money. It's about $1.50, maybe 150 or something like that. And so I looked in my pocket, and that's all I had, actually, one bill. And so I was kind of hesitating. I said, we haven't done anything. And I was hoping to get a cup of coffee for us, you know. But my wife standing by me and said, give it to him, give it to him. And so somewhere in the Bible it says, husbands, obey your wives. So I, uh, I gave him my, the only money I had. And so he took it. He folded it, and he opened it, and gave the money back to me, except that time it was 100. <laughs> and because of that, I was able to get both of us a cup of coffee each <laughs> and a piece of cake in a very expensive Copenhagen. You know, when you had a great experience, what do you do? You want to share your experience, right? So we, at the end of the day, we went back to the ship. We told everybody what happened. And it was amazing how people responded to me. They said, something like that never happened to me. Lots of people. You know, as believers, we, we go to church, we come to a meeting like this, and we listen to people give a testimony how great our God is, right? And we all enjoy it. We get encouraged. But what happens, you listen to a testimony like that five times, ten times, twenty times, then you start thinking, well, that's great, but something like that has never happened to me. And other people seem to experience God. Why not me? Why not me? And then you think, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And so I started thinking about this, and I thought and I prayed about this and I learned there are three kinds of people in this world and I can assure you that each one of you belongs to one of the groups. The first group of people is this, those who make things happen. If you consider yourself to be in this group, raise your hand. I make things happen. Yeah, there are a few. That's great. Second group of people, those who watch things happen. If you consider yourself to be in this group, raise your hand. Yeah. And those of you who haven't raised your hands, 
I in the third group. Those who have no idea what is going on. If you are in group three, I cannot help you. But if you are in group two, I'd like you to study what Peter did and learn from his example how you can be a participator, not spectator. So let's read from Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Afterward, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I am here. Don't be afraid. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. All right, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God they exclaimed. So I want to think about and I want you to think about how this incident and Peter's experience can help us to move from being a spectator to a participator. Let's read verse 24 again. It said that disciples were in trouble they were fighting heavy waves. You know, when we encounter a difficulty, one of the first things that comes to our mind is, am I doing God's will? Right? You start questioning that. But when we look at this, it says that disciples didn't want to even get into the boat. It says that Jesus forced them to get into the boat. So they know that to be in the boat is God's will. So even when we are doing God's will, we still run into problems. As a matter of fact, Jesus promises that we will have problems. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So let's establish the fact that it was God's will for them to be in the boat. 
even though they were having a difficulty. Verse 26, I find this very interesting. When the disciples saw Jesus, they screamed in terror. So they were afraid, scared for their lives. They were praying, Jesus, come and save us, right? And that's exactly what happened. But when Jesus came, they screamed in terror. Don't you think that's funny? And I often wonder why. And I know from my own experience too, this is our issue. What are you focused on? When you are encountering a difficulty, what do you spend time thinking about? Your problem. How to solve this, correct? Your, your focus is all on not Jesus, but on your issue. And so because you're only looking at your issue, focused on your issue, when Jesus comes, when Jesus is near you, you don't even recognize him because we are so busy thinking about our own issues and how to solve that issue. And that's exactly what happened to the disciples. They were just so focused on the storm. They didn't even recognize Jesus. I want to look at Peter and what he did more closely and look at four characteristics of participators' faith. One, participators' faith is spontaneous. Spontaneous. Verse 28. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. The disciples were scared, and Jesus said, Hey, don't worry, it's me. And then immediately Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. Very spontaneous. Two, participator's faith is bigger than you. Once there was a guy who was fishing, and another guy was watching him, and this guy who was fishing, he was doing very strange things. He was catching big fish and small fish, but he was keeping all the small fish, but he was releasing big fish. Usually what you do is totally opposite, right? So this guy, the second guy, went up to him and said, why are you doing this? Why are you only keeping the small fish and returning the bigger fish? And he said, well, at home, I have a very small frying pan, and the big ones don't fit. <laughs> and you think this is crazy. But actually, we do the same thing. You know, we, got, we get different ideas, visions, projects, but what do we keep? We only keep small ones that we think we can manage. And big dreams, big ideas, we think, wow, it's too big for me. When Peter saw Jesus, he didn't think like that. 
he wanted to be with Jesus. He never thought about how difficult, how impossible it is to walk on water. So he asked Jesus, please tell me to come to you by walking on water. He didn't have a small frying pan. Three, participators' faith desires to be close to Jesus. All he cared about was to be close to Jesus. That's why he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. I don't want to wait for you to come to the boat. I want to come to you. Tell me to come to you. His strongest desire is to be close to Jesus. What about you? Participator's faith is not afraid of failures. If you grew up in Sunday school, this is one of the most famous stories, right? And you probably heard your teacher say, now kids, don't be like Peter, because he was walking on water, but he saw the big waves, strong winds, he removed his eyes off Jesus, so he sunk. So don't be like Peter. I want to say to you this morning, let's all like be Peter. What we shouldn't be doing is like the rest of the disciples. Peter wasn't the only one in the boat. There were other disciples too. But Peter was the only one who said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. Because Peter wasn't afraid of failures. Once I heard about a young mother who wanted to go to this piano concert. A great piano master was coming to her town and she really wanted to go to the concert. But she had a five-year-old son and she couldn't find a babysitter. So last resort, she decided to take him with her which was a big mistake. Once she got to the venue, the place was packed. And while she was looking for a place to sit, the sun disappeared. And next moment, she saw her son up on the stage, <laughs> sitting at the piano. And he was playing chopstick. The people there were furious. Of course, they didn't come to hear a five-year-old kid to play the piano. They said, where is his mother? What's he doing up there? But of course, this poor woman was petrified with fear, so she couldn't move. The piano master who was going to play that evening, he heard the commotion and he figured out what was going on. So he went to the piano. The little boy was playing. And he stood behind the boy. And as the boy played the keys, he started adding his own notes. And he made, he made it sound beautiful. 
After a while, the boy got tired, he wanted to quit. <laughs> but the piano master said, don't give up, keep on playing. And the audience was very happy. Right? As a believer, we want to serve God and we do our best, whether it's sharing the gospel, being nice to them, kind to them, helping them. But whatever we do, we are no better than this five-year-old kid playing the piano. But the beautiful thing is, when we do it, God comes behind us, and he adds his own touch and make it a masterpiece. So what's wrong with failure? I think we need to reconsider the definition of failures. When we serve God, what's our purpose? Is our purpose is to succeed so that we can feel good about ourselves? Or is our purpose is to get close to God to see him and to touch him. And if that's our purpose, what happened to Peter? Can you call that a failure? No, Peter wanted to be close to Jesus and by walking on the water, he did that. He wanted to see Jesus and he did, he was right there. He wanted to touch Jesus and what happened? When he started sinking, Jesus grabbed his hand, pulled him up. Jesus touched him. I don't call that a failure. Let's not forget about those disciples in the boat. Four characteristics of spectators' faith. One, their faith is calculating. When you get an idea, dream, project, what do we think about? I think about how much time I have, how much money I have, and how much talent I have. Can I do it? And that's good for business decisions. But if that's all you think about, that makes it lousy Christianity. These disciples, they were calculating. They were sitting in the boat, Jesus was there, and Jesus of course was doing fine, walking on the water, wasn't a problem, and he's coming this way, so they are calculating, well maybe in 30 seconds he'll be here with us. Why do we have to go out and walk to him? calculating. Spectators' faith played it safe. They don't like to take a risk. And a lot of times that makes all the difference in the world. If I hadn't obeyed my wife and give the magician the 10 krona bill, I wouldn't have gotten 100 krona bill back. If I wanted to play safe, I would still have 10 krona bill in my pocket today. 
they like to play it safe. Spectator's faith is something tangible. I grew up in Nagano and there's a huge famous temple called Zenkoji. And inside Zenkoji, this is one of the first statues you see inside the temple. This wooden sculpture. And you notice that the painting is all pretty much gone and worn out and very smooth. It's because years of people visiting the temple and touching the statue and rubbing the statue. For example, if you have a, a issue with your hand, you go there and touch his hand. I think a lot of people have an issue with their faces because this is the most <laughs> part where it's worn out. Right? And there's something very comforting to be able to touch rather than believing in something that you cannot see. So the disciples' case, it's much easier for them to put their faith in the stupid boat than in Jesus by walking on water. We love something tangible. Number four, spectator's faith doesn't grow. If you a spectator, I can promise you, I can come back in five years and find you in the same spot. Ten years, you don't grow, you are stuck. So Jesus helped Peter out of water and they both got in to the boat and what happened next, you remember? Wind stopped and they worshipped Jesus. That's our favorite part, that worshipping Jesus. And that's what we've been doing all this time, correct? And we saw a few participators and more spectators. And we are not going to even talk about people who have no idea what's going on. But we've been worshiping Jesus together. I want you to think about this. Peter and the rest of the disciples, they worshiped Jesus. That's what all it says. Same place, probably same songs. But I can assure you that even though Peter and the disciples, they both worshiped Jesus, their intensity is different. See, Peter worshiped Jesus as a participator. What do I mean? The rest of the disciples, they worshiped Jesus because they saw a miracle. Correct? Peter didn't worship Jesus because he saw a miracle. No, he was part of the miracle. So Peter was a participator. So even though they worshiped the same Jesus, they may have sung the same songs, Peter's worship was greater intensity as a participator. And that's how we want to worship Jesus. 
not as a spectator, but as a participator. Now, let's look at this. This is just my imagination, but when Peter, when Jesus told Peter, yeah, I want you to come, and he was going to take a step outside the boat. I'm pretty sure Peter had a moment of hesitation. Should I go? <laughs> or should I stay? Should I go? Or should I stay? And what made him step out of the boat? One word from Jesus. Jesus said, come, come. So are we listening to Jesus? Or are we listening to our own voice? Peter listened to Jesus, come. And that made all the difference in the world to him. So what is stopping you? What is stopping you? This is the most popular excuse, right? I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. Ron Cisco talked about this lady who led me to the Lord. This picture was taken yesterday. I'm just as young. <laughs> well, no, it's about 45 years ago, I guess. This red-haired lady is the lady God used to lead me to Christ. And if she was looking for an excuse not to follow Jesus, she had plenty. No Japanese language. I think she flunked and dropped out of language school like after two weeks. She figured, <laughs> she learned enough that I could never learn to speak this strange language, right? She had no theological training. She was a divorced lady, so no mission organization would take her, so she came as an independent missionary. She was old. She was just a school teacher from Ohio, and she was over 50 years old when she first came to Japan. But uh, instead of all these odds, she was one of the most effective uh, missionaries because she was willing and she was a participator. She wasn't a spectator. So that's what I wanted to share this morning. And I'd like to share one song with you. You are all familiar with the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. But what we are doing a little bit different is we'll sing that song uh, with a different tune, right? So.
when I survey, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches came, I count but lost. Content on all my pride, forbid it, Lord, that I should save in the dead, O oh Christ my God, O oh the vain. Be a spectator. Let somebody else step forward 
But the challenge to us, if that is where we find ourselves, we really become losers. And so there's a decision that needs to be made that we will be participators. And as we prayed in the opening of this service, there are things ahead of us for each one of us. And I think we all have equal opportunity to say, I want to be a participator with Jesus in what I am going to face this week. Or you can just sit on your hands, so to speak, and just not be a participator, but just be a spectator. And someone else gets a hundred krona. Or someone else gets their life changed. And so Jesus reached out his hand and Peter reached out his hand as well. And the two met. And Peter became a participator with Jesus in his power, his ability. What's it going to be for you? Get out of the boat. Trust Jesus. It seems impossible. But Jesus said, come. Come to me. All you who are burdened down with weight, come to me. May the Lord bless you by this message and this decision that you are making right now. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to stand in our place, to live a miraculous life, and to become the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that rescues us, that brings us to himself. Thank you for this time of decision. Thank you for this message. May we not soon forget it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.